Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pirkei Avos podcast. This is Rabbi Shlomo Kohn, where we live with the ethics of the Torah. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to reach out to me at Rabbi Shlomo Kohn with a K at gmail.com. We continue this week with Perek Hey Mishnah Yudtes, Chapter 5, Mishnah 19. The Mishnah begins. Now, until this point in time, we were dealing with sets, different numbers. We went from 10 to 7 to 4. And now the Mishnah is going to segue into a different conversation. The Mishnah starts. Kol ahava shehi taluya bedavar, batal davar, betela ahava. Any love that depends on a specific cause, when that cause is gone, the love is gone. Vishayna taluya bedavar, but if the if the love is not dependent on, a, on, on something, on something specific, a specific cause, so So then that love will never be, um, will never cease. Now the Mishnah continues with two examples of a love that was dependent on something and a love that was not dependent. And we're going to give two examples in Tanakh of people who had two different types of love. So the Mishnah asks, what, what is an example of love that was dependent on something specific, that was dependent on something? And the Mishnah answers, Zu ahavas Amnon vitamar. This is the love of Amnon for, tam, for Tamar. And we're, I'll explain that story as we go along in the Mishnah. What is a love that's not dependent on anything? An example of that, that is obviously, that never ends. This is the love of Jonathan and da- of David and Jonathan. And I'll, I'll give a little background about these two stories when we get to that point in time. So the Mishnah is giving us an insight into love. Now, I want to preface this Mishnah with just a little introduction. Many times there are people who might say that the ideas of the Torah are are antiquated. They're not applicable for daily life, for for my life. They'll say there's it's a history book with maybe old ideas, but for this generation, for this time, for me, it's not applicable. And I feel like this Mishnah is a perfect example of how that's not the case. The Torah is what well, is our guidebook for all aspects of our life. And we see from this Mishnah that the, that the Pirkei Avos is giving us an insight into love that even when it comes to love, we look to the Torah for, for guidance and advice and what is true love, what is false love. And it's something... The, the, the lessons we can learn from learning Torah is applicable to every person in every stage and every era. And I feel like this Mishnah really crystallizes that thought because this is something which love, and we're going to discuss about it, we'll, we'll learn together, you know, what is real love, what is, 
what is true love, what is false love. And the ideas of the Torah ring true to this very day. Now, if we look at the Mishnah, we had two ideas, or one idea, which is just the flip side. The Mishnah asks, or, or tells us, that any type of love that's dependent on something, and I'll explain what that means. So if you take away that something, the love ceases to exist. And on the flip side, if the love is just not dependent on anything, so there's so then there's nothing to break that bond, and therefore the love would, is eternal. And we give two examples of each of these types of, of love, right? The false love, which is just temporary, which was the example of Amnon and Tamar, that story which is brought down in Tanakh, and the love that is not dependent on anything, which was a true eternal love, was the love of David and Jonathan, David and Yonason. And we will explain that story a little bit later on in the Mishnah. But I wanted to get into today because, you know, we talk about love. We, we all, as in the 21st century, I think we've all been corrupted about this, uh, about love, true love, falling in love. You know, we have a picture in our mind of how that looks, but it's probably a picture that was created by Hollywood. It's probably the furthest thing from the truth. And the question is, what is true love? How does that look? How does true love look? You know, is it when two people just meet and they fall in love and they fall, they fall in love with each other and they're swept off each other's feet, just like the movie portrays? You know, Hollywood has corrupted our minds and understanding of what true love is and true love is not. So tonight, hopefully with the God willing, with the explanation of this Mishnah, we'll have a little bit of an insight into this deep concept and the Torah's outlook on love, and um, hopefully we'll be better equipped going into the future and just to, to know, to have these beautiful ideas of what the Torah's thought on Ahava, on love. Now, as I said in the beginning, as, as the Mishnah said in the beginning, a love which is dependent on something, right? Tluya bedavar, a love which is dependent on something which is temporary, so as soon as you take away that factor in the relationship, the love is gone. The love dissolves. So in a way, a way to understand this is that if we're hungry, we want to eat something. So we, we desire to put something into our body, to eat something. We smell something. We want to eat it. And we have this urge to eat something, to to, uh, to, I don't know, indulge ourselves. But what happens? Once we take a bite of that food or we take more than a, one bite, we eat, we fill ourselves. What happened to that desire? It's gone. Meaning the hunger that we have or had, once we fill ourselves, it's totally gone. And you know what? If we eat too much, we could not be feeling good. Or if we eat the wrong foods, we won't feel well afterwards. So that's a, an example of a temporary love. Because if, if somebody, you know, you know, when it comes to love, the same thing can be said. If someone loves a woman for her beauty, so then once the beauty is gone, the connection is gone as well. 
or if someone quote unquote loves someone for because of his wealth. So no more wealth, no more friendship. And and you know, and somebody just it can be easily said. Somebody loves somebody because of favors. No more favors, no more friendship. And there's plenty of people that, let's say, for example, are wealthy people, and they're always not sure who their true friends are because it could be that the people that they call their buddies now are just looking to be their friends because they have money. They never know who their true um, close connections are with. And there's plenty of examples of stories I've heard myself of wealthy people who lost their money and suddenly they had no more friends. I remember someone telling me a story that there was, he knew someone wealthy who lost all his wealth. And he, this wealthy man was upset. He wasn't upset necessarily because of the friends he lost, but it used to be when he had money, people would ask him for advice. They would ask for his opinion on things, what he thought, but once he lost his money, no one asked him for any advice and any any um, any opinion on anything, and it was and it bothered him very much, you know. If you were my, you know, maybe you weren't my friend, but what my opinion at least. But the point is, is that these are examples of a love of a connection that was dependent on an external factor. So therefore, you take away that external factor, the connection, the love is gone. That's why it's a false love. So sometimes. Or probably most of us have this picture of our mind of true love is just, you know, uh, they meet and love at first sight. And, and what, however Hollywood paints that picture, that's what we have in our mind. But that's really, you know, false because that's not what true love is built on. And we're going to get to shortly what love really is. Now, one thing I want to talk about a little bit before we go to the flip side of this equation of true love is that we, we mention that if someone, you know, just likes somebody because they do things for him, they do favors. So it means that we like that person because of the favors and not necessarily we like the person. So what is this in essence? When somebody likes somebody because what they do for them, what does that mean? So that's referred to as self-love means we love ourselves. And since we love the feeling that this person gives us, right? When they give us something, they make us feel good. We don't love that person who's doing us the favor, but rather we love ourselves. And this could be on emotional level as well. There could be, we could do things for other people, not necessarily because we care about that person. It's because of, we want to feel good. You know, that's, there's different levels of giving. And an example that could be given, uh, that example that's said a lot of times is that, you know, a husband could give flowers to his wife two different ways. A person, a, a husband could give flowers to his wife because he cares about his wife. His wife likes the flowers. Or he can give flowers to his wife because he likes the feeling of giving. He's not doing it for the other person. He's doing it for himself. Again, we're going to get to, you know, not every situation is it wrong to do that. And obviously it's a springboard to get to a place uh, to create that relationship, which I'm going to get to a little later. But the point is that many times we do things 
it could be and, and friendships we have and, and different things we do. It's because it's not because we love other people. It's because we love ourselves. And a lot of times my kids, they say, I love lollipops. I love this. And I always like, you know, it's already a joke in my house. I say, oh, you love lollipops? You give the lollipop a bath? Do you take care of it? Do you, um, you know, do you give it a blankie? So they all crack up and they start laughing. So they all, of course, realize that they don't take care of the lollipop. They're not giving it a bath. So I say, you don't love lollipops. You like lollipops. You, you like what it does. You, you, you love what it does for you. Meaning we don't love these things. That's, that's a perfect example of self-love because we don't really, do you love steak? Do you love ice cream? No, you don't love ice cream. You love yourself. You like what ice cream does for you. It makes you feel good. The steak makes you, it makes you feel good inside. Same thing for the candy. So I always try to bring that example out with my kids because it's very important. We're to have that realization of what is love. What is, you know, and what, I guess where we should have that love. Cause is it truly, is it, do you want to say that you love lollipops, right? There's love is a very strong word and a very powerful word. It's a powerful thing. It's a powerful concept. And we want to make sure we use those emotions in the right places. So we want to save that love for God, for our wife, for our family, for our friends, to waste that emotion on a lollipop, on steak, on ice cream. We don't want to do that because we only have a limited amount of love inside of us. It's not necessarily unlimited. We got to channel it to the right places. And um, it just, I felt sometimes it's important to, to bring that point out that these type of things where we say we love, we have to just realize that many times it's our, for ourselves. It's fine. It's good to take care of ourselves. You're allowed to love yourself. But just to have that realization of what is true love, what is loving ourselves, and um, to prioritize where we put real love, lasting love. And that's for the things that are important, which we're going to get to. So the, the question I really want to ask now is once we discussed and we said that when people do things for us, they do favors for us. So that's not real eternal love. Rather, it's temporary because if you take away that motivation, you take away that physical part of it or that, that if the financial part or the psychological part, you take any of these aspects out of it, the love ceases. So now you're telling me that if people do me favors, and I like them. I'm totally selfish, right? I, I just love myself all the time. No, I like I like people that do things for me. Who doesn't like people that do things for you? So if, if I like somebody because he does a favor for me or gives me something that makes me a bad person, that makes me, how could you tell me that it's not a true love? And I, I really just want to point out a difference between um, the, situ the, the case of the Mishnah and a case of self-love where it's appropriate, meaning we're, we're loving somebody because they're doing something for you is appropriate. So I just, let's take a step back for a second. We just discussed in the Mishnah, we, we define that, some, that a love which is totally dependent on external factors, such as physical factors or materialistic factors or even emotional factors, it's a temporary love. But our question is, is that, so that means Anytime people do things for me or they give me stuff and I like them, it's selfish. I just love myself. It can't be. How does that fit in? 
So I want to make a differentiation between the two because it's not always like that. Now, the difference I feel and is that when you have, when a person makes a relationship, he starts out a relationship to, to create a relationship, many times it's important to give, to do something for somebody else, to give a present, to give a compliment. And in fact, this is actually praiseworthy because if we remember the Mishnah earlier, this was a while back, the Mishnah says, a person should make a teacher for himself and he should he should acquire a friend for himself. And the commentaries explain that means that a person should go to such a distance to get a, a good friend that he should, he should even buy him with presents. What does that mean? He should buy him presents. Sounds like it's antithetical to our Mishnah to give just to, you know, to, to, to get a friend because you give getting him presents. He's not going to really love me. He's going to love my presence. So what's going on over here? And we also see, furthermore, we see this concept by in Purim. One of the mitzvos of Purim is to give mishloach manos, to give special portions to the poor. And part of the reason for the Mishnah, oh, I'm sorry, Part of the reason for this, um, for this mitzvah, not necessarily part of it was to give matanos levyonim was to the poor, and mat, and mishloach manos was to give presence of food to other people to create a certain sense of brotherhood and harmony between people. So again, you might ask, why is the Torah commanding us to 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 buy our friendships to create a friendship which is dependent on external factors? So I'd like to answer that I feel that there's a difference, like I mentioned before. And I think this, this really fits in with the Mishnah because the Mishnah said that a relationship that is totally dependent on externals is something which is temporary. But a relationship that is built off of an external factor but develops into something more, something deeper, because of it, that is a true relationship. Meaning it's important Part of the ways how you gain friendships with people, you make relationships, you do that first step, right? You give a present, you do something for someone else. You, you put your hand out, you do something for somebody. It makes them feel good. And it creates a certain feeling of brotherhood, of closeness, of friendship. But the friendship cannot be sustained just on the favors or the, the externals. It has to be built upon with something concrete, which is concern, respect, um, care, caring for each other. It can't just be left to, to develop with presence and more presence and more presence. So on one hand, what the Mishnah is telling us is that don't make a relationship totally dependent on externals. But it is, it could be, a, it is appropriate to create relationships based on giving someone a favor, doing something for someone else. And that is a good thing to do as long as we're not going to keep the focus on the giving, but rather it can develop into something more, into something deeper and, and into something that is not dependent on these externals. And with that, I think that's a answer to that question.
And it's sort of like this spark that can light the friendship into something, which is good and favorable. And like I said before, we need to develop this relationship by looking at the person and getting to know them, getting to appreciate them, and truly trying to love them. Now, it's funny, we, we mentioned about this. Um, one thing that comes to mind, you know, we talk about relationships that are not based on, on anything or they're based on externals because of external factors. It's like sort of a, uh, it's a, a, a union of convenience. Many times it's important for couples to, to make sure they have time for each other, just to, to spend time with each other, not dealing with all the other externals in life. Many times people get caught up in the grind, whether it be raising children or um, jobs or just life. And the interactions become solely based on what's happening in the house. The kids did this, this happened at work, but the actual relationship is not being built upon. It gets overlooked. So what could happen, God forbid, is that after a while, after the external factors that are keeping them together are gone, there's a void. Because for all these years, there was no relationship being built. And it's something we should keep in mind in all our relationships. If we truly desire to have true friendships um, and true brotherhood and truly have real friends that are really connect with, is that we should make sure we build our relationships, and this is for spouses and for siblings and everything, to build those relationships with things that, that are not just externally binding us. We should make it a true, deep relationship. If we want it to really last, to, to make sure we're connecting on a level where it's not just about what we're doing at work, or it's not just about the family. It's about other deep, on a deeper level, to gain that love, to gain the understanding, to gain that appreciation. And God willing, if we do that, we'll have stronger, healthier marriages, stronger, healthier relationships, stronger, healthier friendships, and so on and so forth. It's funny, it reminds me of something my, one of my rabbis told me after I got engaged. And he said, you know, you're getting married, you should know that dating doesn't end when you get married. What did he mean? He meant that just like, you know, before you get married, you go on dates to see who's going to be a prospective wife, to see who's, you know, to see if you, have, you enjoy each other's company. You shouldn't stop that when you get married because it's still important, like I said, to, to connect on that deeper level. And it's not just husband and wives. It's, it could be friends. It could be, it could be, it could be um, siblings. You plug in the blank. If, you, if a person wants that continued connection, even past the time where it's going to be external, external, external connection, they need to keep up the relationship and develop the relationship. You know, I, I could think of people I know that maybe while I was together with them, you know, maybe it was in high school or camp, we were very close. And then what happens? You move on. And most of the people you had the, that deep connection with, you sort of lose track of. You fall, you fall apart because there wasn't necessarily something so much binding you together. Obviously, you meet up with them. How you doing? How are you? You get, you get back to the old days. But the relationship is just not the same because you were just friends because out of convenience, you were in the same class. You are in the same workplace. It wasn't necessarily a relationship. But if we want relationships to last and be eternal, to have that strong, developed, 
care, compassion, respect. We need to develop it with things that are not just the external and God willing, we'll have strong relationships. So I want to continue now. The Mishnah continues with the flip side. We discussed till now what is not non-eternal love or love that is dependent on something. Instead, once we take away that outside factor, the love ceases. Now, what is a love that is a true love? So we said in the Mishnah, it's something which is not dependent on external factors. So I wanted to understand what that means a little bit. So the commentaries explain that love that is not built on material benefits, such as beauty or status, wealth, etc., will will obviously la- will, will last. It's not built on these externals; it will last. But and, and because love that which is based on concern and mutual respect will be eternal because it's built on something which is a real foundation. Love which is built on giving and receiving for the sake of another, not for the sake of ourselves, is real love. According to the commentary, the Tiferes Yisrael, he explains this Mishnah that when it says a love that is eternal is something which is not dependent on something, he explains it to mean the natural love, the inexplainable love that a parent has for a child and a child has for a parent. It's something which you ask someone to describe, it cannot even be described because it's almost supernatural. Because no matter what happens, a parent always loves a child. And most of it, and, and a child always loves a parent. Sometimes it might be covered over with other things, but that eternal bond is there. And the Tiferes Yisrael explains that this is the love that we're referring to that is something which is not dependent on any externals. And as we know that no matter what happens, a parent always loves a child, no matter what. It's an unconditional love. And I, I feel that maybe these two answers that we're giving here, they're not really contradictory because the essence, the, the highest example of a love which is totally not dependent on external factors is a love between a parent and child, which is, like I said, unconditional. Nothing can break it. And that's actually the ton of the Baileo explains that that's the love that God loves for the Jewish people. It's an unconditional love as a, as a parent, a child. And this that we're saying that it's not dependent on anything, we explained before, it's when you build up a love to get to a point where you have that care and concern and compassion for another. The point is that we need to build those relationships that we have of friends, spouses, siblings into a scenario where it's like the parent-child relationship. That's the, the epitome, the, that's the, 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 the top example of, a, of an eternal love. So really, this Mishnah, it is talking about a parent and child, but it's giving us a lesson for all our other relationships as well. That when we, when we build our love with our friends, fine, it could start with a present, it could start with a, fra- a favor, but we need to look at it as something which, which shouldn't be dependent on anything else. It's just we care about a person. We have compassion for another person. We love another person. No matter what they do for us or they don't do for us, 
And we want to build our relationships to a point where it gets to a place where it's like that parent-child relationship, where we, we totally understand this that there's this unbreakable bond between a parent and child, and nothing can break it. And no matter what a person does or doesn't do, it's still there. It's totally not dependent on anything. So if we could get our relationships to that point, that's the the paradigm, the 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 the, the biggest. That's the um, the highest example that we can use. And and I think this fits in that really all our relationships could get to that point. A beautiful one last um, explanation which I saw for this Mishnah was that the Kajnitzer Magid explains that this Mishnah as well, besides for giving us a lesson in love and how we should develop our relationships with other people, it's also giving us an insight into our connection with Hashem, with our connection to God. Many times, our relationship with Hashem, we make it on external factors. I'll explain. Is our relationship with Hashem, you know, God, if you do this good thing for me, I'll be a good boy today. If this works out, I'll be a good girl, right? Do we love Hashem because all the good that happens in our life? Well, this good thing happened for me and this good thing happened for me and I was successful in this area. Is that why we love God? Because of the good he does for us? You're right. We should thank God for all the good he has done for us and everything that happened and there's nothing, you know, there's, we, we want to be thankful for everything good. We should. But the point is, is that should we be making our relationship totally dependent on the good things that happen? Because what happens if, God forbid, things take a turn for the worse for somebody? He loses his money. He's not successful. He, he stubs his toe. So if his relationship's just dependent on Hashem doing all the good for him, so then what happened to his relationship with Hashem? It's gone. Just like by the relationship, the husband who married a wife because she was beautiful, the beauty is gone, the love is gone. So if a person makes his, his connection to Hashem totally de dependent on the good that has been done for him, so if the good is gone, quote unquote the good, the relationship is gone. A person has to make his love to Hashem, his a, person, a person has to love Hashem Unconditionally, he has to make it totally not dependent on external factors. It reminds me actually of a story where there was once this biker that came into, I think, Rabbi Weinberg, Rabbi Noah Weinberg in Yushalayim in Jerusalem. And he said to him, Rabbi, me and God are like this. And he puts his two fingers together. So he says, what happened? Because I was riding my bike. And all of a sudden, I, a tractor trailer came around a curve a little too fast. And, and I had to swerve my bike and I flew off a cliff. And as I was going through the ear, I was caught by a branch. So therefore, me and God are like this and puts his two fingers together. We're close. So Rabbi Weinberg asks him, wow, you must be close. Who? But who sent the tractor trailer around the curve? The point is, is that we have to realize that the good and the bad are from God. And we have to, the quote unquote bad, you know. Um, and we have to realize that whatever happens, 
in our life, we still have to have that same love to our, love for Hashem and connection to Hashem. We can't make it dependent on externals. And I know sometimes we it's important to say all these stories that work out for the best for us. You know, if a, I remember, you know, if a person, uh, everything works out perfect in this day, you know, you tell over these stories about Hashkacha Pratis, divine providence, how everything worked out. Is It's important to recognize those stories. But it's also important to recognize the stories where things don't work out as you wanted them to work out, where you miss the bus and you still say, you know what? Ah, thank God I missed the bus. It was supposed to happen today and be happy about it. Cause that's how you get that full relationship with Hashem. That's not, the, it's not determined by things working out or things not working out because when you made the bus, you said, thank you, Hashem. And when you missed the bus, you also said, thank you, Hashem. And you still have that same love for God, no matter what happens. Because that's what we need to do. We have it's, it's it's like that parent to child relationship, and as I mentioned before, that that's the relationship with us to Hashem. That the relationship with us and God is it's unconditional love, like a parent to child. That's that's what that's the relationship we should strive to develop to have with Hashem. And just to um, follow this idea through a little more, many times I always get very nervous when people sometimes they get very. Um, connected to mitzvot, which is good. It's good to get connected to mitzvot, but what makes me very nervous sometimes is that people sometimes stress how they feel when they do the mitzvah. And it's good to have feeling when you do a mitzvah. It's very important to have that good feeling, but we can't totally focus on how we're feeling when we're doing every single mitzvah. Obviously, it's good to feel good when you're doing a mitzvah. I don't want to take away from that, but my point is, is that if we make our performance of mitzvot totally dependent on how we feel so then if we what's going to happen is that if we feel good we're going to do mitzvot and what about the day you don't feel so good you don't feel like you want to do the mitzvah so what's going to happen then are you going to do it are you not going to do it what's going to be so what we're doing in essence if we make our our performance of mitzvot dependent on how we feel we're making it feel we're making our mitzvot dependent on an external factor and if we take away that external factor like we said before we might not do the mitzvah so it's important to to make sure we know in our mind there's an aspect of mitzvah so we have to do the mitzvot every day no matter what that's part of our job no matter how we're feeling obviously we want to feel good we want to have enjoyment when we do it that's what we pray for we, we pray in davening every day that torah study should be sweet we should enjoy what we do we should have fulfillment out of it but the way that we are wired as humans is that it's just not going to be every day. There's the grind. You got to push through. You got to do every day because that's our responsibility because Hashem told us to do it. Right? Just like we follow the law every day, just like we, we, we do everything else we're supposed to do every day because that's our responsibility. So in, in our mind, we should have it as well, that mitzvahs as well are our responsibility. And just because if we don't feel like doing certain, something that day, we still need to do it because that's our responsibility. Um. Just to quickly finish off, the Mishnah gave two examples of, of love that was dependent on something and love that was not dependent on something. And the Mishnah said, what was a, a, a connection that was dependent on an external factor? That was the love of Amnon and Tamar. Just to give a little background, in, in the book of Samuel, it describes the, the story of Amnon and Tamar. Amnon and Tamar were half-brother, half-sister, children of King David. And it seems that Amnon had a desire um, for Tamar. And one day, under the guise of illness, he requested that she tend to his needs. 
When they're left alone, he forcefully satisfied his lust. Afterwards, his love turned, turned to hate that was far more intense than his original love. And the commentaries explain that his love did not endure because it was motivated only, it was motivated only by his lust for, for her beauty. Once he had satisfied his desire, the love was, was gone and was replaced by hate. And that's just in a quick synopsis, the story of Amnon and Tamar. It was a relationship was based on beauty. Once the beauty or the desire was gone, it turned even, it was even worse. It turned into a hate. And the example of a relationship that was totally dependent on nothing, he wasn't dependent on anything, and therefore it's an eternal love, is the love between David and, and Jonathan, David and Yonasan. And the background of the story is that David and Yonasan, um, Yonasan was the son and the crown prince of King Shaul, King Saul. And Saul was from the tribe of Benjamin. And in, in Samuel, it's the book of Samuel, it's brought down the story of David that even though King Shaul was king, the, the, the kingship was to be transferred over to David and to the tribe of Yehuda. But for whatever reasons, I don't want to go into the whole story right now. Um, king Shaul did not, he, he brought down that he, he hated David and his son, Yonah's uh, son, was supposed to take over for his kingship. But um, he, Yonah's son knew that David HaMelech, David was supposed to be the king because that's what Hashem wanted. And even though he had what to lose by giving up his, giving over the kingship to David, he still did it because Hash, that was the right thing. And that's the example. They weren't rivals. You know, rather, you know, he knew he, he was a man of great stature, righteous and beloved by the people. So the commentaries explain that he would have been a source of pride to the nation. David was his rival. The, the interloper who had been in, anointed by Shmuel to take away the throne that should have been Jonathan's or Yonasan's. The potential explosiveness of the situation was compounded by King Shaul's hatred of King David. So, but the commentaries explain that David and Yonasan's soul were bound together. And even though they, they knew that each one stood in each other's way, they still loved each other. And they demonstrated that friendship and love. So we see an example of, of a love that's not dependent on a thing, just doing what the right thing is, do what Hashem wants, because that's what Hashem said, that David should become king. And still they had this eternal bond and eternal friendship. That's going to finish for today's mission. I hope everyone enjoyed. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to reach out to me at Rabbi Shlomo Cohen with a K at gmail.com. Everyone have a great day.